Feel the rhythm. The highlight of your week has arrived, Andrew. Yes, it has. Feel the rhyme. I don't know how to say your Instagram handle, so I'm not even going to try. Get on up. It's 11 o'clock on a Saturday. We all know what that means. That you're probably keeping me from watching a Liverpool game? Yep. It's podcast time. And welcome to Rust Belt Running. We are continuing our countdown to the Cleveland Marathon Ambassador Series. We're getting pretty close now. Uh, So we decided, screw the ambassadors. We brought on the master of ceremonies, Michael Kelly, with his Tito's handmade (laughs) vodka. Little product rep a month in advance. I'm getting a head start. Nice. I'm excited. Can you tell? So I am Andrew Runs a Lot. With me is uh, Adam Wheeler at Impact Running and Thomas Costello at many different handles. Yeah. So Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm pretty good, and I got to say thank you guys for having me on here because this kind of gives me an idea. I've always wanted to know what goes through your head when you're thinking about marathon and running and racing. So uh, this is a, a disturbing inside look. So thanks for having me. Well, oh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. we're interviewing you tonight, not the other way around. So but it'll be disturbing nonetheless. You yes. could listen to the rest of our podcasts. Uh, I've had some fun watching you guys. It's very entertaining stuff here and very informative at the same time. So it's a good combo. He's never watched. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, where'd my questions go? We are so unorganized tonight. <laughs> we had technical difficulties. We didn't get our questions to like. 30 minutes before. And we so, haven't recorded in about two weeks almost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We are rusty. Um, so, uh, yeah, I have the right questions up. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, Michael? How'd you get into like MC? What is an MC and how did you get into it? You know, it's kind of a funny thing. I look at it as being the voice of the marathon. Um, uh, you know, I talked with Jack and Ralph staff about this years ago when we first got me involved. Uh, it's not so much about me as in I'm putting a voice to the event and everything we have going on, uh, an orchestrator for lack of a better term, and uh, just a, a whole lot of fun. I started out handing out bananas when I got into this business. Let you figure you, that one out. How did you, I'm sorry. How did you specifically get involved with the Cleveland Marathon? Well, I grew up watching this marathon. It was my first foray into the marathon world, and at the time I was in Columbus, and as I mentioned, I started handing out bananas as a volunteer, and uh, they heard me giving instructions on directions, where to go for massage, where to go for medical. I said, hey, we give you a bullhorn, would you do this again? And I ended up captaining the food area for two years after that. And when we switched race directors, Darius Blackford and I had some common friends uh, through media, and he found out I used to be in radio, and he said, well, why are you handing out food? So I started emceeing their expo, and the second year after that, my fourth or fifth year in, I got into announcing the whole race. And Jack and Ralph from Cleveland caught me down in Columbus and said, hey, we don't do this at RX, but you want to come up and do this? And next thing you know, I'm doing the whole thing up here, too. So it's just all accidental word of mouth and uh, just kind of cool. It's the way I operate. It's fun. See that, kids? One day you, too, can go from handing out bananas to emceeing <laughs> races. So you can accomplish anything you put your mind to. And you never know who's looking, so uh, don't talk to trees, plants, or inanimate objects while you're out in public. <laughs> so, so how long is that then that you've been doing Cleveland now? Uh, so you started in Columbus in 09. This will be, I think, year six or seven with Cleveland. My math is really bad. It's a blur. And the way that I keep track, 
is I go back through my drawers and what I have hanging up and I count the medals because I keep a medal from every event that I do. Okay. Do you have a, a favorite Cleveland Marathon story from during that time? Uh, you know, it was probably one of the worst yet best things. My philosophy, if you guys are out there running, I'm your biggest cheerleader. And with Carl Gruber and um, Amy Listag, and we'll do anything for you guys. In the year that we had the sleet, snow, and hail, in my genius, I took a wireless mic down to the start and finish line like I so often do at these events. And I like to get down there, high five everybody, talk to the athletes as they're coming through. I wasn't thinking about the fact that I wasn't running. So I ended up in the medical tent that year. My <laughs> hands and feet couldn't feel them. They had warmed me up, uh, took about 20, 25 minutes, dried my shoes out, and sent me back out. Uh, never want to do that again. <laughs> we talk about that race on here a lot. Uh, Hi, it's so memorable. It is. Mother, Mother Nature's a bipolar girl, but she's always welcome. Kind of a bitch, too, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's Ohio. It's what makes us so unique and so beautiful. And we're still one of the fastest courses out there. Yeah. So you, you get to do Columbus. Um, and I, I know where this is supposed to be about Cleveland, but do you get chills every year for Thunderstruck? You know, I was always a big ACDC fan, and I get chills at 4, 4.30 in the morning when I'm walking through downtown, and especially in Cleveland with the old architecture, uh, with Sean Verhoff up here in Cleveland and Brian Diddy down in Columbus, and they work together in both events with the operations crew. We're the only ones out there. And at both of these downtown settings, that's my favorite part. I love Thunderstruck. It is an emotional rush. And anytime you see that many thousands of athletes gathered together, it's just the coolest thing in the world. And they're hinging on everything that you're doing to kick off the event. But boy, to see those downtown landscapes, perfectly eerily quiet, full setup with the race courses and the gates up and everything's ready to go. But it just looks like the Langoliers where it's been abandoned. It's the neatest thing. And the excitement hits you right then when you step out of the hotel. Do you have any really funny stories that you want that you could share or can't share and will anyways from any of these races? Oh, funny stories. Uh, there's always goofy stuff that happens, a great time that happens. Um, it's a weekend where requires the utmost attention through three days of it. And I learned if you're going to celebrate, do it on Friday and not on Saturday night. So fortunately, I've never done a race hungover or, uh, are still uh, celebrating. So we save it for Sunday night now. I had one year where Friday kind of carried into Sunday a little bit. But probably the funniest thing that I ever had happen was the first time that I stepped in vomit. And I'll never forget, because I'm having one of those exciting moments, cameras are everywhere, and I slid in it. I had <laughs> jumped out of the finish line. I stunk. I had to take my shoes and hose them off. It still didn't work. But, you know, because people were coming across everything they got. You get to that finish line. Here it comes. And, uh, yeah. So the first time I did the splits and some spew was uh, disgustingly funny. Did you find the person and offer them a banana? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they already had the banana. <laughs> well, I mean, since you've experienced the worst of what can happen when you run, have you uh, have you ever thought about taking part in a marathon more as like a, a runner as opposed to an MC? I didn't even do my first 5K until this year. And if you know Carl Gruber, Mr. 52 Marathons in 52 Weeks, and Amy, who's an everyday runner herself, 
they've always kind of challenged me to do it. So I did my first 5K this year in Gibsonburg. And about three or four laps in, plantar fasciitis kicked up. And I kind of hobbled and I crawled, but I did it. But I always like to tell people I run 60 to 90 feet at a time. And I have such great appreciation for what athletes do. But uh, I'm not giving up hope. I've actually started somewhat running. It's a great diet plan. I didn't have to change the way I eat. So, Yeah, that's some benefits to it there. Absolutely. <laughs> you were in. Uh, you said you were formerly in the broadcasting world. How did that kind of start? And how did that... Uh, you told a story about handing out bananas and then becoming the MC of the races. Um, are you still in that today? What, what are you doing I'm, with that broadcasting? I'm back in it. I uh, used to anchor with WTAM 1100 up in Cleveland back in the early 2000s uh, when we were a powerhouse news station. It was a whole lot of fun. I had the opportunity to work with Hilton Hotels for 10 years, and I was doing some management with some branches there and uh, traveled the country, went to New Orleans, out to Phoenix, uh, started in Columbus which is kind of where the whole volunteering came in. And the funny part that made me want to do that was I was a food and beverage supervisor and manager when I first got started. So I'm like, I know food. So I volunteered to work with food and uh, came back to Ohio to be closer to family. I was always flying back in for the marathons and I decided I wanted a paycheck. So I was going to do some carpentry. Uh, so if you've ever worked in radio and newspaper, it's not much of a paycheck, but it's a, it's a passion. It's something you can definitely love hard to live off of. And an old colleague heard I was back in the state and said, Hey, I got a news director opening. You want to come to Oberlin? So I'm with uh, WOBL and WDLW in Oberlin as the news director. So, uh, and it's fun, but this is one of those agreements I tie and I still get to take off and sneak out and do my marathons, uh, three days a week, uh, three times a year. And you said you do Columbus also, and you said you do a ton of other races. How many races do you do? Are there any other notable ones that you do that uh, some of our listeners might know? Well, we do. Uh, I do one for the Bell Fair in uh, the Beachwood area on the east side. I do. Uh, I did a triathlon in Gibsonburg with a friend of mine when he operated a few years ago, and uh, didn't do that the last year. Um, I'm going to be doing Cap City this coming weekend. This will be the first time that I've worked in that half marathon. That has just blossomed over the years. I've watched it grow. And it's kind of cool the way these space out because I've got six months in between Cleveland and Columbus, so they work out well because these do take months of preparation for the things that I do at the Expos on the Fridays and Saturdays leading up before. I basically have 12-hour formats and programs. I'm doing live radio the whole time. If you ever come into the Expo, Andrew's had the experience of it. You know, it's uh, just walking around with a mic and jibber-jabbering over some music and some tunes and uh, – talking to people, talking to vendors and products. I find out about all the, you know, the cool things that athletes can get to kind of help them through, whether it's your day-to-day -day training um, or your marathon race day prep. And uh, it's an absolute field day. So it was funny at, at Columbus a year or two ago, I was walking around and Michael walks up to me and he's, he's talking to me, but he's not looking at me. And I was like, dude, what is wrong with you? He was, there was like somebody walking through, I guess they were suspecting them of stealing a bunch of crap. So he was just having to like, keep his eye on this person, just like follow them throughout the entire exit. Covert ops. So, yeah. You'll have so some things like that. Now, that's the hotel management and manager me. I kind of default to that a little bit. <laughs> and is that, okay. I've, I've done the race a couple years since 2011 at the expo. Can you hear that radio broadcast as people are walking through? Or is it on a specific station? Or how does that work? Uh, I... Actually, at the Expos, I'm just in the overhead. So okay. I'm, I'm in the Expo. Uh, and that wireless mic just broadcasts in-house. So you guys can give me an idea. Are. Maybe I'll stream it now. you got to give me an idea there. There you go. We had some fun. The first Expo that I'd ever done in Columbus, uh, there was a kid that was with a vendor from Michigan. And he had on that team up north gear. 
And uh, I just popped up and had somebody with a camera rolling. We even shot video of it, uh, made a joke about the airline losing its luggage. And we gave him all vintage <laughs> gear from that race from the previous years. And we, you know, we jokingly made him change. <laughs> That's awesome. Incredible. Yeah, you said jokingly, though. You weren't joking. No. Well, no, we had him put it on, but I, I wasn't going to make him. <laughs> you know, by law, I couldn't. It's a sanctuary city. We wanted to keep the gig. <laughs> <laughs> so so in a few weeks, when we're all at the Cleveland Marathon Expo, make sure you listen or look for the guy with the microphone if you want to be on the air or I wear mean, Michigan stuff if you want to get onto the yeah. streaming. Um, you don't race, feel race stuff. He'll catch you. Race day, the craziest stuff you wear, the better, too, because it's more likely to get you mentioned and noticed. There's been some crazy stuff over the years. I still think about there was the guy who had a bodysuit on that was like the internal organ. It was like supposed to be like your internal organs. It was my yep. first race ever doing it. It's like, that's that's an interesting fashion statement. Go you. <laughs> I've seen it. We get all the superheroes, especially yep. with Marvel out now, those characters rolling through. Some of my favorites, uh, good friend Steve Calhoun, who does Columbus, he runs in a uh, full ruck pack. Uh, weighted down and he'll run with the flag through the entire course um and he's a heavy duty cross trainer a very fit man and i tell you what it takes a whole lot to come through and he's got uh, friends are actually joining in that with him now we've had firefighters coming through in full gear uh we've had people that have just recovered from car accidents i could think of some of the kids i met through the various hospitals uh that do both events um uh, that will do parts of the races on foot, part and share with teams. Uh, you meet a lot of inspiring people doing this, which is why I actually have started living up in the building and running myself a little bit more. So when you're at the finish line, like you, you call off people's names because you, you've managed to call my name off a few times. I've heard it. And uh, I even had you call off my dad's a few years ago at Columbus, that, which that I thought was, awesome. was really cool. Like that was my dad's first half marathon in like 30 years. And he, he signed up on a whim and he flew out here from Colorado. Like what an experience to, you know, be able to just send you a quick message and be like, Hey, make sure you get my dad. Like, how does that happen? How are you able to, you know, pick people out like that? It's nice. We've got some really good timers that work with us and we give, uh, a laptop that actually kind of feeds and there's two checkpoints. So we could tell when you're coming, we could see in advance. So the more people come across, and that's why there's three of us, the more names we get to call out. And it gets tough the larger the crowd and the larger the field. But it's such a rush because we'll get a little advanced time to match up the bib numbers. And those of you that we get to see all the time, we recognize. And I vividly remember that weekend with your dad, too, because I got to introduce the whole family at the expo that weekend. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a rush. I've had friends come across that I didn't even know were running. Uh, Warren Dillaway, a photographer I used to work with in a newspaper in Ashtabula County, he actually came across in the half one year or the 10K here in Cleveland and zipped off to work. I barely saw him. He had enough time to wave and say hi, and then he was off to the newspaper in assignment that day. So cool. You, you called Adam out last year as well because I freaked out. I was like, what? <laughs> what that, he is not that fast. He's not faster than me. What I remember about it was you called my name out and I let out like a yelp or like a, a scream when I got across. It was a huge like breakthrough moment for me. And you're like, and I think he just freaked out a couple of half marathoners from across. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh the reactions are priceless. I like when people don't know exactly where we are and you see them looking around like the voice of God just came down because it's not, I don't have that many filters to make me sound that good. Man, it's a whole lot of fun if we're having a discussion about something and somebody comes through because if you've ever seen the three of us work together, Amy is a little firecracker. 
So we could be having the greatest conversation about philosophies and running and what runners are going through and talking to the crowd a little bit. And the next thing you know, over the shoulder, here comes Amy. Hey, there's blah, 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 blah. And everybody hits the deck. And that makes it fun. Um, they hit she and Carl know running so well. They know the elites, they know the athletes pretty well. I know pomp and circumstance and keeping things fun. So the three elements that uh, come together with all it's just it just makes it a blast. So you've worked with you work with Darius down in Columbus, you work with Ralph up in Cleveland, but you also work with a guy named Arnold. Um, down in Columbus every year. Yeah, he's not as big as he used to be. <laughs> what What are some key differences between uh, emceeing a marathon and emceeing the Arnold Classic? Well, the good news is they haven't brought me on to do that. The Arnold, I worked with the athletes for several years, and this past year I worked with the media uh, just as a rep. I worked the event. The cool part is I've got to actually stand on the side stage with Arnold many times. And he's a nice guy, but he's just so busy. We just kind of don't say too much or anything. But being behind the scenes of an event that size, the mm -hmm. largest single weekend event in Columbus every year, and now they're on every continent uh, and watching them, it is just blast. It is so cool to see how that works. It takes so many moving parts, so many thousands of people, um, just just like the uh, the marathons. It takes thousands of volunteers to put on. But to take over the entire city of Columbus for the Arnold, it's a pretty cool thing. And we're trendsetters around the world now because Australia's booming. South America's booming. Uh, they were just down in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Mm -hmm. And uh, now they're in South Africa this current weekend, this past weekend. Uh, Arnold's everywhere. I, I live down in Columbus. And that's one of the weekends throughout the year where um, I work around downtown. So I'm always around that area. And it's a noticeable difference. It's almost like the population of downtown Columbus triples or quadruples for the Arnold Classic weekend. And you almost have to avoid the city if you're not going to it. Yeah, and there's very few people room. who don't go yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. It is cool because you don't have to be a bodybuilder to go to find something you can appreciate. They've got so many sports involved now, uh, everything from gymnastics and youth sports. And they do take over the entire part of the city. You go to the fairgrounds, it's uh, there. And they've really organized it as they've added sports in. And uh, it's kind of cool. And, and I don't know how Arnold could say he'll be back because he never leaves now. He's everywhere. All right. So we, we got off track of running a little bit. So we're going to keep that going. We got a few minutes left. You're a big sports guy as well. Love and it. we can't bring you on Rust Belt running in sports without talking sports. Um, Fire the cannon. What's that? Fire that cannon. How about those blue jackets? <laughs> oh, Nobody ever would have guessed I'd bring up hockey, being a Cleveland guy. I'm no, I, I don't mind at all. I love it. Adam doesn't care. But, man, are you ready for tomorrow night? I hope – I love the NFL draft. And this is the first time that I haven't been on pins and needles of who we're going to get. Yeah, I haven't cared. This I is the first year I'm so, like, I don't care. And that's why you have game one of the Blue Jackets that you get to watch tomorrow <laughs> yes. night. I'll be streaming that live. And probably following along with the draft on my app. The thing about the NFL draft that excites me is the Browns could always trade back in and do something. Uh, there's right. been so many rumors about them trading for uh, Peterson, the cornerback, with follow the bouncing ball. Where's he at now? Is he in Arizona? Uh, I forget. Uh, that was the latest rumor. They're saying Duke Johnson might move somewhere. We've been talking about that a lot on the radio throughout the course of the week. So many things when you have eight draft picks, especially late round picks, because guys like Bill Belichick will find a gold mine in there somewhere. So somebody's yeah. willing to give you something somewhere. So okay. when you can package them with an athlete like a Duke Johnson, I can see the Browns moving back into the first round. But boy, the way we've stacked that roster, I don't think they have to. 
No. Unless unless you see like you know they have a high grade on somebody who falls down into like the low twenties. I mean, because I, this go cost way too much to get up higher than they originally were going to pick. And we've already seen John Dorsey's not afraid to take chances on guys right. that have little blemishes or off-field problems of, to for that payoff as an athlete. What do I you think? I get my cream jersey. Oh, <laughs> I'm, what, I'm, what thinking, think? I'm thinking at least twelve wins. I'm thinking 12. I'd have to really? look at the schedule to go through and pick which ones I thought. There's even potential for 13. I'm really keyed up about the matchup with the Patriots in New England. I'm not saying that's going to be a win by any means, but I think that's going to be a pivotal game. That would be the one of the difference makers. Uh, two matchups with the Steelers, I don't sweat. They just re-signed Ben Roethlisberger for two more years in addition to the one year he's got left. I really don't think that's going to make too much of an impact because they took away a lot of his weapons. You know, I think they're going to rely on uh, – James Conner to do a lot more blocking than he probably would have counted on before. He just, I would love nothing more than to see them ultimately fail this year. I'm not going to lie to the fan in me. Oh, it'd be great. I, when they drafted Baker, all I could think of was when he planted the flag at Ohio stadium. And I said, I want him to do that in Heinz field for the next decade. That took a lot of forgiveness being a Buckeye fan. And I'm from the same hometown area as Urban Meyer. So there's a lot of pride, especially with the Buckeye connection at the time that that happened. I remember being living in my neighbor in Phoenix was an Oklahoma girl and a big Baker Mayfield fan. We had some fun feuds over many great beers and late nights out on the patio. And uh, when we drafted Baker, uh, the stars kind of came into alignment a little bit. And I, it took a, a lot of major forgiving. I'm still – I even learned to welcome in uh, – Oh boy, this is how much I welcomed in. I already forgot his name. The uh, safety out of the team up north, you know. Oh, that we just tried to, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 last yeah, year, yeah. I finally kind of, all right, <laughs> uh, late last year, and then we traded him. I'm like, oh, that's what I get. I developed the sympathy, and it was an Achilles heel. They said, get him out of here now. You can go back to hating him. Yeah, well, the good, news, the good exactly. news is I can't jinx the team now that he's gone. What? This is true. What about oh, the – That's my the, story. Uh, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> The other big team in Cleveland right now, since the Cavs are, thank uh, God, uh, mercy, they're over. How about the Indians? What do you think uh, they're going to do this year? Uh, I'm excited. You know, you're starting to see some things now that the guys are healthy. Uh, knock on wood, as long as uh, the pitchers stop uh, running into the baseline. Did you see Carlos Santana today? 6-2 victory over Miami. Uh, took the ball himself this time instead of uh, yeah. Rodriguez to the base. Yeah. That's, that's just kind of what you got to do. It's a, you know, Simber was lucky enough to survive. Fortunately, Cookie Carrasco is not going to miss any starts. He's going to make his next one on Sunday. Yep. Uh, oh, but good. we have a healthy Lindor, a healthy Kipnis, who's hitting like himself again. He made some adjustments at the plate. He started going the opposite field like he used to. Got Santana mm. back, and the guy's hitting over 300. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez was a great addition. Plus, we have more help on the way down at AAA. Guys getting healthy, guys about to come back. Uh, Bradley Zimmer is going to have a shot to come back. But uh, the team keeps playing the way they're playing now. This is the way they were built to play. Everybody trashes on the Dolans, and that just infuriates me because this team was built with a design, and it does take all pieces of that puzzle. I'm a baseball fan first and foremost, so this is just really exciting. And I photographed the Indians in the 90s, so when you went to the ballpark every day at the then Jacobs Field, with that chance knowing you could win, and I'm getting a vibe. You start to look at this roster, yeah, there's some guys that need to come around and hit, but with the pitching we have, the uh, even guys like uh, Wickern in the bullpen, uh, giving a little more faith in the bullpen we didn't have last year. Uh, and with yeah, the no offense kidding. coming around, you know, I'm digging it. I'm digging the tribe. Go Dolans.
Adam just made a new best friend. <laughs> and he said healthy kipness. We have I, a joke within the we try to keep inside jokes out of this, but we have a joke with sample size and healthy Jason Kipness. Um, so he, yeah, you guys are besties. You guys are besties. He's preaching to the choir and I love it. <laughs> a one man choir, but he's preaching to it. I don't mind. <laughs> oh, that's great. Adam, you ask him one more question about sports. Cause I got one more question to ask him about sports and I'm sure you're going to want to ask him Indian something. Um, but I don't, I, I want to leave Cleveland to you cause we so need we, to wrap it up here pretty quick. We do. Um, you know, you're high on the Indians now and you're, you're kind of singing the same tune that I've been in, in terms of like young guys are going to be coming around. What do you see them needing to do say mid season to really kind of push them over the hump if they need to get there? Well, still have some young guys with a veteran presence mixed in, but the young guys are going to have to stay faithful in their stuff and not hit ruts. Um, and the biggest hurdle is already behind us with starting off the year with guys being shorthanded and having to go with some guys like, sorry, Miller, but uh, Miller, Moroff, and the no-names up the middle, the last thing they could have afforded to do was get behind. And we actually came out above 500. So I think that's huge because that's going to propel us into what we could build off the rest of the year. This is the type of team when you're playing small ball in a lot of situations, you can't afford to get behind. Um, and getting guys like Clev back, Mike Clevenger, uh, it's can only get better. And Rodriguez comes up as second straight stellar performance. So keep doing what they're doing, have faith in their stuff, and uh, not get behind and, and stay above 500 first and foremost. But I think this is uh, team's got a lot of potential, and they're going to surprise some people, especially if they keep putting up. Uh, five, six runs a game, which nobody expects them to do. Right. So what's your prediction for the Indians? First place in the Central. I think we have some World Series potential. That's going to rely on injuries, which is always the, the question mark and variable. We have that roster when you look at it on paper and say, oh, this is a, a sure thing to get you into the past the divisional series, into the ALCS. But uh, as what happened to Clev proved a fluke thing and what could have easily happened to Carrasco, uh, those are the question marks. When you're built to ride your pitching staff like this, that's a huge uh, catalyst. And we've got uh, Danny Salazar is on the verge of a comeback, so he'll be coming up to shore up the bullpen a little bit. Uh, we've also got uh, two other pitchers, uh, Andre Dott, the guys we're talking about it today, that uh, are on the verge of coming back. I'm trying to think of uh, who it was. It's that good. <laughs> Clipper and, uh, and, and I almost uh, forgot about him. Yeah, Clipper and somebody else. I forget who. So it's a. Uh, only promising depth is not a bad thing. When you have guys a phone call away down in Columbus, a straight shot up 71, it's a beautiful thing. All right. Final question that I'm going to ask you. Tomorrow night, the Blue Jackets start a best of seven with the Bruins. How's that go? Don't let up. They knew they were playing. They had nothing to lose against Tampa, and they played like it. Uh, coming in with Boston, another tough team. But I think Boston can match them physically. Tampa wasn't ready for the physical style play that the Blue Jackets have. But if you saw, they were on the cusp of making the playoffs, like by a nose hair. And those trades that they made late midseason really paid off with some of these guys coming up and having the presence they did. So this is a totally different team than what people saw in the regular season. So I think that Boston's toughness matches up well with us. But will we have that ability to score almost at will like we did against Tampa? I think uh, Boston's defense would be a little bit uh, tougher on us. But uh, offensively, they're not what Tampa was. So I, th I think the Jackets would probably make it at least a, 
a five or six game series, and I'm optimistic for them now. If you'd asked me before the Tampa series, I wouldn't have even guessed they'd be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. There, there was a reporter on Twitter who I follow because he writes for the Canton Rep, and uh, he he has said something the day that we uh, that we had clinched the playoff spot, and you know, you never want a series. He he just said you never want a series, and now you get the president's tro- uh, a record setting president's trophy winner in the first round. And I'm like, well. No, pre- you're playing with house money. What better way to get the monkey off your back? I was just fucking around and being optimistic. Those are the easy stories to write, the no-brainers. Yeah. And, the, and the best part is watching guys that write the no-brainer before it's, the ink's even dry and have them sweep them like that is the best thing. Because in all sports, when the playoffs come, you just never know. Because there's a totally different depth in a person yeah. that they could rise to. It's like to correlate what we've been talking about earlier today, like finishing a marathon. You reach back for that something extra. It's do or die time. You don't have a choice. And sometimes you just put it into overdrive and it happens. It just clicks. And that's what makes sports so exhilarating. Absolutely. And I'm a bandwagon hockey fan. Go Jackets. <laughs> you, you won me, baby. They're Adam too isn't much talking because he's not a hockey fan, so he's being wow. quiet. But he loved it. He's still on the Jason Kipnis high, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Michael, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, I look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll look for you at the Expo on Friday and Saturday. And you, Do you MC the um, 5K, 8K as well? I do. I'll be there. I'll be at the kids race at public square. You'll see me for all of it. And uh, totally off the record in an unprofessional manner. I want one of those ape tit signs that you have behind you. Oh, it's appetite. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm sure it is. That's just because your wife's probably there. (laughs) Thank you for that. That I've got got Tito's. What's your excuse? (laughs) This is the perfect ending. Fellas, thank you so much. It's been fun. <laughs> All, All right. right. Thank you. We'll see you soon.